Well, good morning. Um, uh, just thank you all for being here, and um, I just uh, want to, before we get started, we'd like, I'd like um, us to watch a video, and then we'll open our Bibles to Colossians 3. So, while that's a funny video, um, if we don't trust in God's ways instead of our own, this is exactly what we do, right? Christ comes and pulls us out of our being dead in our old sinful ways, and we're still the boss, right? So, um, we live carelessly and dive right back into our old ways. Because that works well, right? Ask that sheep if you're unsure. If we are going to accept the saving grace that Christ offers, we must accept the sanctification, the removal of our old ways that comes with it. It's popular in our culture to say that Christ hung around sinners, but what is missing in that statement? He called them out of their sinful nature to a new walk. In Romans, it is also true that Paul says that we are saved by grace through faith so that no one can boast. But there's often a phrase that is forgotten in both the first and final chapter of Romans. We are called to the obedience that comes from faith. What can we do to avoid being like that sheep? Why must we avoid being like it? Why is changing to obey the commands of Scripture so important? As we will see in Colossians 3, 1 through 17, Christians must set their drive toward their thoughts on and hope in where their life is, hidden in Christ. The things of this world must be replaced by heavenly things in our lives, or we will fall right back into our old ways. Our heart, mind, and hope must be set on heavenly things. So in verses 1 through 4, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also, or then you also will appear with him in glory. First, Paul is saying that Christians having been um, having already been raised with Christ, are to set their drive, that is their hearts, toward things above. In, the verse one, in verse 1 where the NIV has the word set, the ESV says to seek the things that are above. And the Net Bible says to keep seeking the things above. The idea here is to be resolute, relentless, in your seeking of heavenly things. 
in verses 5 through 9 of this chapter, we see the habits that the Christians he is writing to were involved in before their walk with Christ. What their earthly nature craved. Paul is calling them to crave the things of heaven with their hearts, to be set in the direction of Christ's likeness. A good reason for this is seen in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everyone, everything in the world, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Every category that John mentions in this passage involves the fleshly habits in, described in verses 5 through 9 of our passage here. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. What is your earthly desire? What is the sin that besets or entangles you? Instead of those things, you and I are called to seek, set our drive toward the righteousness of God. In verses 10 through 14 of this passage, Paul continues by saying that not only have we Christians taken off our old selves and practices, we have put on the new self which is being renewed in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if it, any of you has a grieving grievance against someone forgive as the lord forgave you and over all these uh, virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity something paul does in this passage is to say that we are to put off habits and to put on attributes we are no longer to be known for our earthly ways but for who we are in christ no longer to be known for who we were beforehand but who we're becoming, the attributes we are to put on. Paul is saying in verse 11 that it doesn't matter who you are or what your past is, as a child of God, Christ is all that matters now to God and you. Christ is all that God sees when he looks at you, and you are to set your whole focus on being like him. Likewise, as Christians, our New drive should also be set on seeking the kingdom of God. Jesus taught this in Matthew 6. He says, or he lays out the things that people seek. In describing the all for show 
acts of piety of the religious leaders of the time, he condemns their motives in their religion. He says to store up treasure in heaven where your, uh, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This redirects our focus from the necessities of life that God knows we need to his kingdom and righteousness. Christians must replace the things they chase in this world, money, possessions, and pleasures, by chasing the things of the kingdom and his righteousness. Otherwise, it makes it too easy to look back and to be tempted to return to your old ways. We cannot accept the grace of God and in turn um, not set our heart, the very thing that determines our drives, on the things that he desires for us and commands of us. We were bought with a price and we were called to love God and love others. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. He commanded of us to seek God and his righteousness. And he gave the promise that God will take care of the rest within his will. He knows what you need. So set your heart where your life is. Secondly, in verse 2, Paul adds that we ought to not only have our drive set on heavenly things, but our thoughts as well. Simply put, your mind has control on your actions. Uh, in Romans 8, 5 through 8, Paul says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. When your mind is governed by something, it means that it's controlled and ruled by it. Whatever you think about the most is usually the most important thing to you and is what you serve. Also, if you constantly think that you are no good and are a sinner, that is what most likely what you will give in to. If you constantly think about and pursue the things that are of earthly value or pleasure, effectively being selfishly minded rather than heavenly minded, you will be of no use to the kingdom of God. You are guilty of putting those things above God otherwise known as idolatry. Contrarily, Paul did talk about what happens with our minds through faithfulness. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When your mind is ruled by the flesh and love of self, it leads to actions that lead to death. But when it is ruled by love for the Father and thankfulness and respect for his mercy, it leads to actions that lead to life. Therefore, Christians should, like the habits mentioned before, replace the fleshly thoughts by meditating on God's word. In Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, 
a light on my path. My question for you is how much time do you spend reading the very thing that is supposed to guide your every action? If we don't have the Word of God in front of us regularly acting like a mirror, telling us where we need improvement, how can we expect to move forward in our faith? On the contrary, by being in God's Word, replacing your worldly thoughts and desires with heavenly thoughts and desires, you will not conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By thinking on the true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, and praiseworthy things of the Spirit, found in Philippians 4, 8-9, through 9. and putting them into practice, you can be accompanied by the peace of God as you obey Him. Thirdly, we should set our hope on heavenly things. As a Christian, your hope should be set on Jesus' return and the glorification of your body upon the resurrection. In verse 4 of our passage, it says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. In 1 John 2, 28-3-3, it says, And now, dear children, continue in him, there's that obedience, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure all throughout scripture it is said that we should be set on Jesus's return our hope is to be set there in doing this it will spur us on to act in accordance with the significance of it as you heard earlier the things of this world will pass away but the purposes of God will live forever Jesus' return is what God is working on, not only day by day, but by the second. Everything that happens is in the working toward that reality. However, I do want to take a sidetrack for a second and mention that it is not not of our own power that this change of heart, mind, and hope occurs. It is not of our own power nor for our own glory that we do good deeds. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He marks and keeps us until the day of the coming of our Lord. Meaning he is not only evidence of our belonging to the God, but he guides and moves us when we live by him. In Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, it says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. 
His glory. We see in Romans 8, 23 through 26 that the Spirit is of confirmation of what we were hoping for, our adoption to sonship upon glorification and resurrection, and part of how He helps us as we wait. It says, We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. If we are in Christ, we have God's Spirit. God knows what we need and knows the mind of the Spirit. Through the Spirit, He gives wisdom, ability to endure, and gives growth in the first fruits of the Spirit. Or in the first fruits of the Spirit. Words are hard. Meaning to put on the attributes of the Spirit. In the meantime, with the help of the Spirit, because of His imminent return, in love of others, we ought to do as Jesus commanded in the Great Commission, found in Matthew 28, 18-20. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, to obey, everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In setting our hope on his return, we are called to peace and thankfulness. In verses 15 through 17 of our passage, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God in gratitude, with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In the Great Commission, Christ promised He would be with His disciples to the end of the age. This is a reassurance for all believers. Therefore, the peace of Christ can rule in our hearts as we go about doing the will of God, teaching and admonishing one another, and making disciples. When we become a Christian, the becoming is only the beginning. We never stop becoming. The more we put God's word into practice in our lives, the more worldly habits we will drop. This is the definition of sanctification, to be set apart. Are you set apart? Or do you look, sound, and act like the world? Where are you at in your walk with Christ? Do you have a walk with Christ? These are all questions that need answered, but I can't answer them for you. What I can tell you, though, is that Jesus Christ died on that cross for your sins, rose again, is seated at the right hand of God, and has all authority in heaven on earth. In the words of Paul, I implore you to, on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It doesn't matter who you are nor what you've done, this is available to you, but only until the coming of Christ. God cares about you, but he is holy and none of us are apart from Christ. This truth demands a decision, but also demands change once you have come to saving faith. When in Christ, we have his spirit inside us as a helper to figure out the answers to those questions. But also in putting on his attributes. Um, if we are in him... We must set our drive, that is our hearts, our thoughts, and our entire hope in the heavenly realms where Christ is. Those things are essential in being conformed to the image of Christ and, and are persevering in this world until he returns. So when you get home, evaluate your mind and heart. Including the heavenly things, make a list of all your pursue from most to least important. When you lay your head down at night, Think about your thoughts and actions each day. Evaluate how your actions reflected Christ in your life and whether your thoughts were most occupied with heavenly things or earthly things. Remember, Christianity isn't a title. It's a lifestyle you must be set on living out. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the truth that is in your word and how it shows us where we need to improve and where we yet lack. So I thank you for your son and the sacrifice thereof. And I thank you that you keep us until his return. In Jesus' name, amen.